Welcome, Welcome in, everybody. everybody. <laughs> Jinx. Jinx. You. Jinx. I got you. <laughs> hey, go ahead. Take it away. All right. Welcome in, everybody, to our COVID edition 2022. Part, uh, yeah, part two. Yeah, part two. Um, unfortunately, I All did test COVID positive again. for COVID. Um, we are trying to remain compliant, so we are doing this over a laptop. Um, definitely brings back very fond memories. I tested positive for COVID, and now I'm on a Zoom call. So harking back to the college days. Um, before we get into everything, um, here on the Panther Pod, as you know, we love to have a good time, but tragedy, true tragedy happened this week. Um, again. Again. Um, Mississippi State's head coach, Mike Leach, um, passed away from a heart attack or complications from a heart attack, I believe at the age of 61 uh, thoughts and prayers out to his family and to the program at Mississippi state um, on the Panther pod. We offer our thoughts and condolences. That's for sure. You will be missed. Um, please pause for a moment of silence for Mike Leach. Thank you. Um, but with that, I'm Owen Spunning. My name's Cole Connor. And welcome to a COVID edition, part two of the Panther Pod. All right, Owen. Um, we combined be going. I don't know about going forward, but this week we only had one game to um, review. And that was Army mm-hmm. Navy. Um, yep, which I won, by the way. Obviously, you know the best team won, and that's that. We don't. Have uh, to, yeah, it was definitely not Navy, who you picked. We don't have to go over it. You, um, you Navy lost. Had, Navy had the best uniforms. No, Army had the best uniforms. I don't know what you're talking about. Whatever. Um, <sighs> Army won twenty to seventeen. <coughs> it did go into overtime though it did go into two overtimes double overtime yep um navy came back in the fourth quarter or uh no excuse me army came back in the fourth quarter uh scored <laughs> they only scored 10 points in regulation owen they only that, scored 10 points in regulation That's that right there yeah, no, that right there is just that screams the essence of America's game. Like that just screams the eff- essence of the Army Navy rivalry right there. Um, great atmosphere in Philadelphia. It was a fun game to watch, even though it was just constant triple option, wishbone offense, wish, uh, wishbone offense. But you know what? It was great. I thought it was. I, I I enjoy watching this game. It gives me my football itch at the end of the season when there are no other games on. Uh, Army finishes six and six on the year. They are going bowling. They are now bowl eligible as well. Um, Navy falls to four and eight after and after this game. After going four and eight, they lose their head coach in the locker room. He is fired by the Naval Academy. Navy is now one of these teams to go dip into the coaching carousel. We'll see. Um, it was your typical Army Navy game. Lots of run the football. Very, very little passing. Uh, Mike Leach has the air raid offense. Yeah, Army and Navy are the exact opposite. Um, it goes to show you when we say how little passing it there was. Um, Army led the day passing with twenty eight yards passing, not two hundred and eighty, not. Not 280, not 128, no, 28 yards passing. Cade Ballard, two for 10, 28 yards. Navy, Xavier Arline, uh, one for one, 25 yards. Should have passed the ball. They would have gotten the win. (laughs) Um, I, I will say this. Army and Navy both combined had 53 passing yards. That's insane. That's just a little over halfway to 100. Like, that's, you know, that's that's absolutely 
wild. I, I understand wanting to establish the run and like trying to bring football back to its roots, but this is the kind of game that'll make you gouge your eyes out at. So sometimes it is, but I enjoy watching it. I do. I think the the triple option is effective if executed properly. And that's what the you know the military academies are all about. Rushing yards. Cole, we always say establish the run and you'll win the game. Both of these teams had a great time establishing the run. Uh, however, Navy was a little bit better at it. 259 yards on the ground for the midshipmen, 125 yards for the Black Knights on the ground. Um, Army had an average of 2.6 yards per play. 2.6. That is – that if you go for it on fourth down, that is – bare like a tenth of an inch or uh no excuse me that's that's more than a tenth of an inch that's like uh half a foot several yards no two point because 2.5 is the required yards if you go for it on fourth down every single time to uh, just keep the ball so 2.6 <laughs> that's terrible that is so bad and yet they won the game 20 to 17 yeah, they scored 10 points in regulation, not because the defenses were vaunted, not because this was an all-time matchup. No, the offenses were not productive at all. No, not, not like they usually are. Not like they usually are. Yeah. Um, um, you would think, something that really sticks out to me, you would think for two military academies, hardly any penalties on both sides, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Army had six penalties for 50 yards. Ooh. Navy had eight penalties for 65 yards. Ugh. Navy also lost the football one time in a fumble. Hey, guess what they didn't have, though? What? An interception. <laughs> no, they didn't. No, they did not. They did not. They didn't um, turn the ball over on the ground. They did not. That Turned one pass was very successful for them. Yeah. Uh, Army punted the ball nine times. However, Navy punted the ball ten times atrocious this is a defensive game and this is one of the few games not it is not a defensive game (laughs) like i i i hear you i hear you trying to justify the existence of this game and i think that this is a game that should exist absolutely this this right here is a bad football game I understand. I know you're trying to put you're trying to put a spin on. You're trying to say, hey, this game was awesome. You know, like, no, this game sucked. (laughs) I enjoyed watching it. I don't know what you're talking about, but I had a lot of fun watching it. I don't know what you think. I've tried to spit here. I genuinely enjoyed watching this game. Lord of mercy. Something is wrong with you. For the first time out of the 123 meetings of this football game, Army and Navy go into overtime, not just once, but twice. Wow. Good for them. For the first time in 123 years that this game has been played, they went into overtime. Good for them. So uh, could watch 20 more minutes of mediocre football. It is not medi- – okay, here's the thing. Brief history lesson. Army and, Na- and Navy football used to be top-tier football programs back in, like the, back in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s yeah, because – because there back then there was not that many opportunity. The NFL was st- was just getting started, so like pro football, you could not make the money that you can now. And so, like if you went to go play football, you wanted to make sure you could have a career after you play. Like football was kind of a side thing. What better way than to go play football at at West Point or the Naval Academy, and then graduate and be an officer of some sort in the military. Hey, you had not, a job, you had a retirement. It not was all to set cut up. you off and not to ruin your point, but guess who else was a powerhouse in like the same time that Army and Navy was? I guess um, actually, no. Guess what football league was like relevant in winning the national championship every single year? The Ivy League, yes. yes exactly. Harvard and Yale. Yeah, no, Penn. Penn was a dominant force yeah. when it came to football. Yeah. Princeton not was Penn as State. well. Not Penn State. Not Penn, Penn. State. Penn. The University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. No. Wild. Um, Absolutely wild. I'm truly not hating. I just 
I don't find this game as appealing as Owen Spelnick does. And that's fine. That's we can agree to disagree. Um, You're just a terrible football fan. I, no, I'm not. If I was a terrible football fan, I would actually watch this game and enjoy it. Oh, um, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, moving on to some of our bowls. Um, it's bowl doing, season. It is bowl season. Um, if we spell it with S-Z-N, will we go viral? Um, questions <laughs> from the marketing department after the show wraps up. So me and Cole will have a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't have to expose us like that, man. Um, so I don't know if anybody noticed this is a small potatoes operation over here. Oh yeah, no, we're we're meat and bones. That's it. Um, starting things off uh, with a game that's being played at 3 p.m. on a Friday. Um. Number 25, UTSA versus number 24, Troy. Both teams 11 and 2. Um, this is the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. Um, honestly, should be a very good matchup between two very good teams. Uh, both teams, as I stated, finished um, 11 and 2. Uh, Frank Harris has been absolutely electric for uh, the Road Warriors. Uh, I almost said the Road Warriors. Oh my God, the Roadrunners! Ooh, what a rush! Um, <laughs> the Roadrunners, uh, 305 for 429, 3,865 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, seven under uh, seven interceptions. Gunnar Watson, we've touched on him a few times uh, for the Trojans whenever we've covered them. Um, 193 for 312, 2,705 yards passing, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, not He's not lighting the world on fire, and he has quite a few more interceptions. Um, he's, uh, he's all right. He's one to manage the game for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, God. Hmm. Kavorian, uh, Kavorian Barnes uh, for the Roadrunners, 114 attempts, 713 yards, six touchdowns. Um, so solid back there. Uh, true freshman as well, which is wild. Um, definitely something we've seen a lot more of this year, but not really, you know, lighting the world on fire as well. Uh, Kamani Vidal for the Trojans. Uh, 209 attempts, 1,059 yards, nine touchdowns. He's a sophomore out of Marietta, Georgia, so should be – he's really short, 5'8", 215. Daggone. Um, should be an interesting game. Uh, should be fairly offensive. Uh, both teams like to score. Troy's defense is considerably better – than UTSA's, but we'll we'll see. I mean, spreads one and a half over under fifty five. So, well, and that's one thing I'm I'm you know going to talk about. And when I'm looking at this game, I'm looking. It's it's not so much going to be like Troy's team versus UTSA teams. In meaning, I'm not encompassing both Troy's offense and and UTSA's defense. I'm looking at how well will this Roadrunner offense match up against the Trojan. Not the USC Trojans, the Troy Trojans. Uh, def- how well that defense will match up against the Roadrunner offense. Uh, last week in U- – or not last week, but two weeks ago on championship weekend, UTSA beat uh, U- University of North Texas in the Conference USA championship game, 48-27. to 27. Uh, UTSA was, put, was able to put up 344 yards passing, 571 total yards of offense. Um, Frank Harris – the quarterback for UTSA went 33 for 38. Uh, no, th- no interceptions, not a fumble. Uh, they rushed the yard. Uh, they rushed the yard. They rushed the football for over 227 yards um, and had the ball for over 37 minutes, almost 38 minutes in that game, in that conference championship game against uh, the University of North Texas. Troy, on the other hand, we saw what they did last week to Coastal Carolina. Absolutely absolutely destroyed Coastal Carolina. However, for Troy, they're giving up around 17 and a half points per game. 
They're scoring around 26. So, like, it's a, almost a 10 point. It's about a nine point difference right there. Uh, offensive, though, Coastal Carolina had the most offensive yards. They were four, they had 432 offensive yards compared to Troy, who had 411 offensive yards. Passing was about the same uh, for Troy and Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina had 319, Troy had 318. But here on defense, Troy gave up, or Troy, uh, caused Coastal Carolina to turn the ball over twice, once with a fumble and an interception as well. Uh, Troy, let me see here. I'm trying to think. Uh, Troy was incredibly successful in maintaining Coastal Carolina. It's, you know, we're seeing stats from here from both from Gunnar Watson and um, Vidal here on Troy. Only nine touch nine touchdowns on the season for Vidal. And then 13 for 10 for Gunnar Watson at Troy. Offense is not exactly lighting it up, so to speak, when it comes to passing. Um, but because of their defense, it allows their offense to with some wiggle room and cause and allows them to win big time games. So Troy's defense versus UTSA's offense. Um, I'm kind of leaning, leaning towards the Trojans. However, I think UTSA, their offense is just going to be able to score points. And, yes, while Troy's defense is going to allow their offense some wiggle room, it's ultimately that's what's going to hurt them. I think Troy's defense is going to end up being gassed. And just like a roadrunner, they're going to take off, run into a victory. Uh, Your uh, UTSA wins this game. Boo. Boo what? What are you booing me for? What Boo are you booing pun. me for? That was whatever. Yeah. I thought that was pretty good. Don't even don't out, even get it. It was very much it was you. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. So doing some quick math here. Um, I'll make my pick uh shortly, but doing some quick math and based on what you were talking about as far as the UTSA's offense versus Troy's defense. UTSA is scoring 12 more points than they're allowing. Troy is scoring roughly nine more points than what they're allowing. And a lot of that has been helped out in their last four games. Coastal Carolina, Arkansas State, UL Monroe, Monroe, and then uh, UL Lafayette. So it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. And I think a lot of it is going to have to do with Troy's offense versus UTSA's defense. So the inverse of that, I think it's going to be a good matchup whenever UTSA's offense is on the field and Troy's defense is on the field. But when it comes time for Troy to have the ball, I don't think they are going to be able to move against I don't think they're going to be able to move against UTSA's defense enough to give their defense that much needed break, as you just said. <coughs> so I'm agreeing with you. I'm picking UTSA. Ah, look at, look at us. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Look at, look at us. Look at us. Um, Tighten that up for you. All right. Moving on um, to some personal beef. Um, Owen. Can you give our audience a quick rundown of the beef that this game will entail? Um, both of these teams have the same coach. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, – they will both be on the same sideline as well. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bearcats and the Louisville Cardinals. Scott, Scott Satterfield, Satterfield, baby. Scott Satterfield, the current head coach for the Louisville Cardinals, soon to be the head coach for the Cincinnati Bearcats after replacing Luke Fickle, will be on the same sideline. I'm going to be honest, doesn't really matter who wins this game. Satterfield, Satterfield's uh, 100% coming out with a dub. So, I mean. I wonder what team he's going to be coaching. It's got to be Louisville. I, I, I want to say I think it is Louisville. I don't think he's transitioned, uh, made that transition yet from Louisville to Cincinnati, but I just think it's kind of ironic that he's hired as he, it was announced that he was hired as Cincinnati's head coach and Cincinnati and Louisville both play in the same bowl game. The Fenway Bowl, by the way, uh, which will be played in Fenway Stadium where, where the Yankees play. Boo. Um, 
uh, or Fenway Park. I'm sorry, not Fenway Stadium, Fenway Park. That's how much I disrespect the Yankees. Um, but, uh, since Cincinnati's nine and three, Louisville's going up and they're seven and five. Uh, Ben Bryant for Cincinnati, the starting quarterback, out for the season due to a lower body injury. Hey, um, I know ESPN hey, says hey, he's bud, bud, yeah. bud. Uh huh. Fenway's not the Yankees' home stadium. That's the Red Sox' home stadium. <laughs> you had me convinced. You had me so convinced as soon as you said that. I was like, that that checks out. No, Fenway is in Boston, Massachusetts. It's Tim Tebow in a verbal. Um, it's all Gucci. It's but good. I'm a Red Sox fan, my guy. You are a Red Sox fan. <laughs> Obviously, not a great one that I said it. It's okay. Do you? I don't know okay. why I got, I got so confused. Why it's was okay? It's probably because I don't watch baseball as much as I should, but I am for sure a Red Sox fan. Okay, never mind. Fenway Park, the much-deserved respect that it needs. Uh, <laughs> um, Let me just much, do a complete and total 180 here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for all those baseball gurus who listen to our show, they're yeah, they're rolling their eyes right now. We'll Anyways, just, yeah, Cincinnati's – Cincinnati's head, uh, Cincinnati's starting quarterback, Ben Bryant, out for the season with a lower body injury. I know ESPN has him listed as active. Um, he is not. He went out November 25th of this year. Um, he is out for Cincinnati. Our Malik Cunningham in for the Cardinals. Uh, he is in. He went 136 for 218 this year, uh, over 1,500 yards passing, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. However, Malik Cunningham, much like Jalen Daniels, uh, J- Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels, my bad. Say, come on. Um, I'm sorry, I, but they, I mean, they pretty much do the same thing. Uh, they, they really put the team on the back when it comes to mm. the legs. Um, um, please tell me, please tell me, would, would, would LSU have been nine and three with, without Jaden Daniels this year? Um, so looking at their running game. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> uh, Charles McKellen. Uh, for the Bearcats, 140 attempts, 834 yards, seven touchdowns for the true senior. Um, taking a look at Louisville, Jawar Jordan, 133 attempts, 700 yards, two touchdowns for the sophomore. Um, Louisville does have that multi-back attack. Uh, they also have Trevion Cooley and Tyon Evans as well. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they get their run game going against uh, Cincinnati's defense, who we've seen all season long. Hasn't been the same as what they were last year when they made a run for the CFP, but they've been very solid this year, only giving up uh, 20.3 points per game and then only allowing 136 yards of rushing, which Louisville doesn't really – Louisville does not, as much as they say Louisville does not like to run the ball, Louisville likes to pass the ball, but they would be a better football team if they decided to run the ball a lot more than what they do. And I think their play calling reflects that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Granted, that's even not, split on. That's not, ahead. I'm sorry, that's not counting Malik Cunningham's uh, rushing yards in that as well. We've seen him, he's a mobile quarterback. I think he has like, I, I want to say he has at least uh, 10 rushing touchdowns on the year. He's got to. God, yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. Anyways, uh, pretty even matchup defensively uh, when it comes to points allowed per game. Both teams are allowing 20 points a game. Uh, however, Cincinnati's putting up a little over 31 points a game. Louisville is – putting up 27 points a game. So if you're just going based off that, obviously you would pick Louisville to win. However, or uh, you would pick uh, Cincinnati to win. However, uh, Louisville is putting up a little over 400 yards offensively, whereas Cincinnati's putting up under 400 yards, 392 yards uh, offensively. To like you're splitting hairs at that point. Split Pretty much, close enough. Uh, Louisville likes to rush the ball more than they do Cincinnati. 193 yards per game is what they're estimated at doing, and they pass the ball for around 200 yards, 211 to be exact. Uh, Cincinnati heavily relies on the pass compared to um, Louisville. Cincinnati 
passes the ball for around 256 yards, rushes for 136. Um, and then yards allowed, Cincinnati has the more stout defense, allowing 328 yards offense compared to Louisville, who's given up 347 um, throughout the year. The over-under on this is 40. The spread is in favor of Louisville. Um, I know Cincinnati is without their starting quarterback, but I, I don't know. If you're Scott Satterfield, who do you want to win? Who, who, who do you want your previous? I think, I think you want to go out on a high note at the University of Louisville and go but in. Walk to, in on a bad note for, for well, Cincinnati? Go into Cincinnati and say, look, I just showed you how we can – how I can beat you Here's what we're going to do to fix those mistakes. I think that's how Scott Satterfield plays it. Um, I'll also say this as well. Cincinnati is without a head coach, as far as I know. And Louisville um, has still got Scott Satterfield. So they they still have some form of leadership there. uh, Oh, goodness. In Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Honestly, though. I, I I'll go with Cardinals. I'll go with Cardinals in this one. Give me the Cincinnati Bearcats. took just took do what? Give me the Bearcats. Please. Here's the thing. Cincinnati did lose their starting quarterback. So it will be interesting. You know, they, they did all right without him. Um but there it it's good to like it's it'll be interesting to see how they can finish off without Luke Fickle um and having you know, having Scott Satterfield come in and Louisville's still going to have Scott Satterfield. I just think stability-wise, I think Louisville's not in such a hard place as Cincinnati is. So, give me the give me the Cardinals. I agree. Um, but still, give me the Bearcats. I want them to Whatever. Win. Whatever. Moving right. on <laughs> to my Pac-12 champions, the rightful Pac-12 champions. Florida, right? Because they beat Utah. The... <laughs> And Utah beat U.S. Oh, my God. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, yep. No. Number 14, Oregon State. The only time – and I'll go ahead and tell you, I'm picking Oregon State in this game. They may not have won the Pac-12, but they are winning the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl um, against the Florida Gators. Are they favored by 10? Absolutely. Am I making this out to be like, they're the underdogs 100% because they're going up against an SEC team. Um, but they're not uh, uh, underdogs against an uh, six and six SEC team. Have we seen Florida struggle this year? Absolutely. Are they might be the worst SEC team this year? They would be if Vandy wasn't around. And even then they, <laughs> Vandy's not a slouch this year. Um, yeah, because you still had Texas A&M. Yeah, we still got Texas A&M. And Missouri. And, and Missouri. And, and Auburn. And, and Auburn, yep. Um, and LSU, no. I'm sorry. We only lost to one of those teams you just mentioned. Um, yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. Texas A&M. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and Arkansas. And, and Arkansas. You can throw them. And Georgia. Them. Because you lost, you lost to Georgia. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You lost to Georgia, fifty yeah. to thirty. I just figure I throw that in there. We also lost to Tennessee as well. Um, Forty to thirteen. Me, re- remind me who who's West Virginia playing in bowl season again? Do do y'all have do y'all have do y'all have a bowl? Oh, that's right. No, you you didn't get enough wins to qualify. And you're looking at another year of Neil Brown. Anyway, back to the Las Vegas Bowl. Oregon State takes on Florida. This is number 14, Oregon State. They finished the year out nine and three. Anthony Richardson. I don't know where to start with him. He has been an absolute liability all season long for the Gators. Um, that being said, he's still thrown for 2,500 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions. Um, Bengal Branson, uh, 1290, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Points, I mean, this is going to be a good matchup between teams, but Oregon State's going to steamroll the Gators. 
Uh, Cincinnati Louisville is going to be uh, the 17th, which is Saturday at 11 a.m. Just to uh, clarify for everyone, that's going to be on ESPN. Absolutely. This is going to be uh, Saturday the 17th as well at 2.30 in Las Vegas. Yes. Uh, hey, think about it this way. Oregon State is playing at, in the uh, is playing in the site of the, of the Pac-12 championship. There you go. At least they made it one way or another. Um. Yeah, I, I I'm a bit. I, I I think I might agree with you on this one. The Beavers look like a more complete team, much more uh, steady-handed. However, though, however, I think Anthony Richardson is the better quarterback in this. I think what? Billy Napier. I, I think Billy Napier is the better coach. Oh no! What? Okay, I thought we were gonna. Uh, Anthony Richardson is 17 for, 17 for nine. Okay, okay. Uh, Oregon State's quarterback, eight for five. Yeah. Eight for five. No wonder you didn't make it to the Pac-12 championship game. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to get an Oregon State hat for next season just to, just to say – that I call are we are we going are we going to Oregon State to go watch a game next year? Oh god no. <laughs> <laughs> Unless LSU plays Oregon State at home, that's the only one that I consider and we don't. Mm. Oh. <laughs> excuse me. Oh god. Cole hacking up along over here. Uh, uh I'll be honest though, looking at these stats, the Gators 441 total yards of offense. Uh but but Oregon State, the Beavers, they're putting up 399 yards, so pretty much 400 right there as it is. Defensively, though, defensively is where you got to look at. Offensively, they're pretty much even. Defensively is where it's at. Uh, Oregon State has given up 21 points a game, 342 yards on the uh, overall on defense, 228 of that they're giving up through the air, and 114 they're giving up on the ground. Um, looking at Florida – Points per game, our points allowed per game, 28. Yards allowed, 415. I mean, in no way, shape, or form is Florida's defense better than Oregon State's defense. Hence why I think Oregon State's winning this game, because you and I both know what wins championships. Yeah. What wins the Las Vegas Bowl? Defense. Defense Defense. wins championships. Defense wins championships. Even though you, even though, even though you hate d- defense. Listen, we don't have to talk about my personal prep. What are you saying? I hate defense. I don't hate defense. You've told me so, you've told me so many times how def- how how defensive linemen and defensive guys are just big, slow, dumb animals. Yeah, they are. It doesn't mean they're not. Yeah, I never seen the offensive lineman run a four four. I'm sorry. Or a four two defensive line, a good offensive lineman who can't stop a halfway decent defensive lineman in their tracks. Yeah, but what what about when like Von Miller comes your way, or Aaron Donald comes your way? Obviously, or or JJ Watt or TJ Watt. I'm going to get run over. Um, but what happens when that four four forty? starts coming around the edge and you have Jason Kelsey chucking nose tackles in their direction. I'm sorry. Go ahead and throw up an offensive spreadsheet near a defensive player and watch their head blow to bits trying to understand. Yeah. That's why defense wins. Is that why defense wins champion? That saying said defense wins championships. Defense does win championships. I'm not. Yeah. So so obviously that means they would understand offense a little bit better than the own offense does. Oh, and you're being a little brat right now, and I don't appreciate <laughs> that. I'm just poking holes in your argument. Okay. Whatever. Um, um, give me the I'm beavers. Picking, I'll, I'll take the beavers in this one as well. Yeah, I'm picking the beavers. Um, moving on to SMU-BYU. Both teams that go by their abbreviations. Southern um, Methodist. It's another holy war. Southern Methodist versus Brigham Young. Uh, both teams seven and five. You know me; I've been a massive fan of the SMU Mustangs and their dope quarterback Tanner Mordecai. 
such a cool name for a quarterback. 261 for 406, 3306 yards passing, 31 touchdowns, nine interceptions. This game's going to be aired on the 17th as well, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Jaron Hall is listed as questionable for this game. Do you know if he's starting or not? If not, he is the starting quarterback for BYU. As far as I know, he he is it is questionable on whether he's going to come back or, or not. Either way, Jaron Hall, 3171 through the air, 31 touchdowns, six interceptions. Um, both teams like to throw the ball through the air. Um, both teams kind of questionable on the run. BYU has a little bit more yardage. They've got about 19 more yards um, per game rushing. Um, both teams are fairly – it's, it's going to be a good matchup offensively. Um, BYU's defense is a lot more questionable than SMU's. The reason why I'm saying that SMU is scoring four more points than they're giving up. BYU, Uno, one. They are scoring one more point than they are giving up. Uh, Those stats are 38.4 points per game for the Mustangs, 31.9 points per game for the Cougars, uh, uh, 34.7 points allowed for the Mustangs, 30.0 for the Cougars. So it should be an interesting game. Oh, goodness. Oh, sorry. Uh, SMU, within the last five games, has has went four and one in beating Tulsa 45-34, beating Houston 77-63. to That is a basketball score. Uh, beating USF 41-23, losing to the AAC uh, champions 50 50- Tulane 59-24 and then beating Memphis 34-31. Um the spread is three and a half in SMU's favor. The over under 64. I don't see a reason why they can't get 64 in this game. Do you? I I mean, if they're both giving up 30 points a game, I don't see why they couldn't. Obviously, this is suspected. Like, this literally is just 34 plus 30. Like, that's what the over-under is. It's like it's – Give me the Cougars. I'm going to take the Mustangs. I think the Mustangs are going to be much better. That's fine. Um, And I I think because BYU is barely outscoring what their defense is giving up, and their offense, their offensive production is just not where it needs to be. And with Jaron Hall questionable as well, give me the Mustangs. Uh, this is the New Mexico Bowl. This is at 7.30 p.m. on the 17th, and this will be on ABC if you want to watch. Spread is in favor of SMU, three and a half. Bring us back from the New Mexico Bowl. Um, into the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Dirty Myrtle got its own bowl, baby. <laughs> you know what stadium they play it in, don't you? It should be uh, CCU's, ain't it? Yeah, it is stadium? for sure. CCU's. Man, that would be – I'm honestly shocked that um, Coastal Carolina doesn't insist they get this bowl every single year. Mm-hmm. Home field advantage can't be understated. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> Um, CCU's not in this game on. You no. know who is? Who? Marshall and UConn. <laughs> One of those teams, I'm not surprised, made a bowl. The other? Yep. Shocked. Yep. Um, yep. Marshall. An old Big East foe. Yep. Marshall, eight and four. UConn six and six had to win three of their last five to get here. UConn's quarterback doesn't even have a profile picture. Zion Turner. He doesn't even have 10. Well, I can't say the same thing because, excuse me, Marshall's starting quarterback doesn't either. I was going to say they don't have 10 touchdowns either, but here we are. Henry Columbia doesn't have 10 touchdowns. Brother, I'm looking at Cam Fancher. Whoa, what happened to Henry Columbia? Whoa. No, Henry Columbia has six touchdowns. 
wild. Six touchdowns, four interceptions, 938 mm-hmm. yards passing. Cam Fancher has 1,500 yards passing, eight touchdowns, five interceptions. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Uh, however, for Marshall, let's look at rushing stats here. Uh, Colin, I think it's Colin. That's how you pronounce it. Kalen or Colin uh, LeBourne. 281 attempts, over 14 yards rush, 1400 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns. Jesus. Uh, for UConn, looking at UConn here, Victor Rosa has 561 yards rushing, nine touchdowns. Does not have a candle on Colin LeBourne. Now, touchdowns, he's over halfway there. Yeah, touchdowns, you're, you're over halfway there. Yardage, you're mm, – you got a long ways yeah. to go there, Bubba. Got, got a long ways to go. Um, it also uh, – it screams UConn football in points per game, 19.8. Points allowed, 26.1. Yeah. Marshall, 24.2. Points allowed, 16.2. Mm. Mm. UConn, welcome back to bowl season. It's not going to last long. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're done. Yeah. You're, you're, you're done. Congrats. Uh, you made it this far. Yeah. Ain't going to go Jenny no farther, big see boy. That. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, they're, they're putting up over 24 points a game. They're allowing 16 points a game, putting up 406 yards worth of offense, 200 on the 200 uh, through the air, 206 on the ground. They're giving up 298 yards when their defense is on the field, 204 through the air, through the air, 88 on the ground. That's wild. That is a stout defense right there. Stout D line. That's yeah. Well, we saw we saw how that game played out against Notre Dame back in uh, gosh week three. Yeah. Of this, uh, it was just absolutely wild because Marshall controlled the line of scrimmage when they were on defense. Yeah, and then they dropped to Bowling Green, Troy, UL Lafayette, Raging Cajuns, Raging. Sorry, I can't really do it right. And <laughs> then they dropped to Coastal Carolina as well. Yeah. But then they went on to beat ODU 12-0, beat App State 28-21, beat Georgia Southern 23-10, and then beat Georgia State 28-23 in their first year under the Sun Belt. I'm not crapping on Marshall. I think they are a fantastic program. You and I both know uh, we're both – I respect Marshall. I don't really have a dog in that fight. For me, my program list is LSU, West Virginia – and probably you're just saying that you're just saying that no i like marshall i always have like marshall no you said west virginia you were just trying to say that to get a soft spot on me brother what did i tell you as i was coming back from the west virginia game if it wasn't for lsu you would be a west virginia fan daggone right (laughs) the spread Um, marshall 10 in Marshall's favor. The over-under is 41. I think they hit the under, and they definitely cover the spread. They for sure cover the spread. Uh, this is going to get ugly for UConn. Um, their, their last five games, they did have they did halfway decent. Lost Ball State 25-21. Beat Boston College 13-3. Beat UMass 27-10. Beat Liberty. 36 to 33, and then lost to Army 34 17. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, but this is probably going to be a runaway for Marshall. Um, I think Marshall is just going to handle UConn. Uh, that herd is up front. On thundering. Yep, yep. Uh, the thundering turd. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I just think Marshall's going to dominate line of scrimmage here, both offensively and defensively. More so, defen- more so defensively than they will on offense. But yeah, no, just g- give me the herd, um, and they're and they're literally going to run away with it. Uh, 
with uh, with Kalen or Colin uh, LeBorn in the backfield. Um, this is 2.30 p.m. on uh, Monday the 19th, if I'm not – yeah, Monday the 19th Yep. Um, on ESPN. So um, if you're taking your lunch late, you can watch this game. Um, moving on to our last game that we're going to cover uh, this week, the Boca Raton Bowl, the roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. Um, this is between two teams with eight wins, uh, the Liberty Flames, eight and four overall versus the Toledo Rockets, eight and five. Um, I was very wrong as to who was going to be on the sideline before we started recording this, and I'll fess up to it. Um, <clears throat> I thought this was going to be Hugh Freeze's last game. Nope, he's already in Auburn. Um, we don't know if it's going to be Jamie Chadwell's first game as a flame or if it's going to be the interim coach. I think it's going to be the interim coach. I don't know who the interim coach is for Liberty. I think it's their DC, if I'm not mistaken. One second, I'm looking that up. I am also looking it up. Josh Aldridge. Yes. Um, uh, Aldridge is co-defensive coordinator. Yep. Got you. So, uh, so I imagine Jamie Jadwell will be in attendance for this game. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he's going to be doing any kind of coaching, though. I think they're going to stick with Hugh Freeze's uh, offense and defensive philosophies just because that's what the team's been running all season long. I would imagine so. ESPN has this game at pretty much a 50-50 shot right here um, between Toledo and Liberty. Uh, the spread is in Toledo's favorite at five and a half, and their over/under is four is fifty-four here. Um, offensively, Toledo's got the edge. They're allowed, they're putting up thirty-two points a game, whereas Liberty's just just barely under there with twenty-eight points a game. Uh, defensively, they're right there. Both of them at twenty-five. <clears throat> both of them giving up twenty-five points a game um, total yards. Offensively, they're literally almost identical 400 total yards for Liberty, uh, 400 average yards for Liberty, 405 for Toledo, uh, 222 through the air for Liberty, 227 through the air through Toledo. Both teams are averaging 178 yards rushing. Looking at individual statistics for a second, Jonathan Bennett for Liberty, 131 for 224, 1,534 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, Nine interceptions. Daquan Finn for Toledo, 172 for 291, 2,127 yards passing, 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. So not the best quarterback. I think that's fair to say. Not the best quarterback play on either side. However, Daquan Finn is clearly um, the better of the two. Um, Looking at the running backs, Day-Day Hunter for Liberty. 129 carries, 850 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, Jaquez Stewart, 111 attempts, 659 yards rushing, and four touchdowns. Um, Both teams have their pluses and minuses on offense. Obviously, Liberty likes to – is a little bit more efficient in the red zone as far as running the ball goes and can break off those big runs that we've seen all season long. However, Toledo has the better quarterback in Daquan Finn. So it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup either way. Something I want to look at, too, for both of these teams, I think penalties are going to play a big factor in this game. Liberty last week against New Mexico had eight penalties for 85 yards. Toledo had 11 penalties for 79 yards. So oh, both nice. teams are, you know, they're showing their undisciplined, you know, they're showing how undisciplined they are on the field. However, Toledo is your 2022 MAC champions um, after beating Ohio last week, 17 to 7. Uh, some numbers from last week they put up 236 yards on the ground and 390 total yards of offense, and 154 of that was through the air. So for Toledo, look for them to carry it on the ground. <clears throat> and more of a ground-and-pound game. 
for Liberty, <clears throat> I would I would say they're going to rely on their their throwing their their passing just a little bit. Um, however, they have a beast back there with Day Day Hunter in the backfield as well. He put up 214 yards. Uh, not not him specifically, but he he carried the load last week. Uh, Liberty as a team put up. 108 yards rushing. I'm sorry, that was New Mexico stat I was reading. And they put up 207 passing against New Mexico in their loss to New Mexico State. Um, Caden Salter for Liberty is also, um, I don't know what their current quarterback status is. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, Caden Salter on the season has seven touchdowns, five interceptions, and 1,002 yards passing. Um, so we'll see who gets the who gets the start as well. Um, that could be if they, you know, pull a quarterback after a series, if they pull a quarterback after a quarter. Um, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting. It's going to be uh, interesting to see what develops out of this game as well, as far as trying to get a starting quarterback. Obviously, the era of Malik Willis is over at Liberty, and that has shown considerably this season. They, they were doing really well until the rumors for Hugh Freeze started right around there at the beginning of November. Hugh Freeze going to Auburn, and then they take three straight losses to UConn, Virginia Tech, and New Mexico State. Um, personally, for me, I'm taking the Rockets in Toledo. I think there's more stability. They didn't lose their head coach. Liberty is is going through a rough patch right now after losing Hugh Freeze. However, successfully um, – Claiming, uh, getting Jamie Chadwell for their next head coach. So give me Toledo, give me the Rockets. I, I, I like this uh, matchup for them. Um, I, I agree with you. Um, I hate to diss on the home state team, but give me Toledo. Yeah, I think Toledo. I think personally, I just think it's yeah. Penalties are a big thing, and you uh, Toledo did get eleven of them last week, but. Liberty had the more yardage when it came to penalties. And I just think Liberty is having a hard time finding themselves after uh, Hugh Freeze leaves to go to Auburn. Um, but expect them to turn around next season with Jamie Chadwell. I I, I, fu- I can oh, yeah. fully no, see that. They'll be back. Yeah. Um, but I think for this call, I think that's going to wrap it up. It was kind of another short episode for us. Um, I'm, I, we may have went under, went over an hour. We'll, we'll have to see with this zoom zoom call, but yeah, I'll um, have to piece everything together because you know, <laughs> I'm too broke to afford zoom pro. Yep. 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 Uh, but we're not going to uh, be doing a Sunday show anymore, guys. We're going to just kind of start dialing back to a Wednesday show, much like we did uh, last year, just because bowl season, like you've seen, we had bowls on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and the Liberty and the the bowl between Liberty and Toledo is on a Tuesday. So uh, we're just going to start cutting it down to once a week and picking bowl games throughout the week as well, um, and kind of giving our reactions to that as well. Um, so next week we're going to have our reactions uh, to the to these bowls, and then give you our next our next bowls. Absolutely. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening to us. We truly appreciate you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, and hopefully next week we'll be able to record in person. Hey, Hey, yeah, please Cole, get better. Gosh, darn it. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, but for that, I'm Owen Spanik. My name's Cole Connor. And thank you for listening to part two of COVID edition of the Panther pod. (laughs) 